1: Welcome to Light Years Radio. We are recording this at 8.30 p.m. night before the draft. We are less than 24 hours away from the draft. Sitting in for Andy Lou, I have Aaron Larsul. Aaron, what's up, my man? Chillin,
2: chillin. Hello, everybody out there. I know everybody's disappointed. I've, I've seen in the comments already, everybody thinks Andy <laughs> is already drunk
1: uh, in preparation <laughs> for tomorrow. So. Nah, nah, nah. Uh, he's, he's got a commitment. Uh, but we had to put it on another episode for everyone listening day of the sh- sh- the draft. Um, I am feeling a lot of activity about to come to the surface. Aaron, take my temperature here. I think we're about to see a significantly more active draft than we saw last year and maybe the last two to three years in terms of trades, in terms of a lot of movement among teams. Um Maybe not any big things. I'm not saying, you know, uh, a huge superstar training thing's going to happen. But I have a feeling, based on everything I'm hearing, we're going to see a lot of movement.
2: Yeah, you mean, you're, you mean league-wide? Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I think one of the reasons for that, I agree with you. Um, and, and I think one of the reasons for that, obviously draft day is one of those like deadline days which spurs on movement. Um, and like a, like a car, as soon as you drive it off the lot, it becomes less valuable for a lot of teams. Uh, the draft pick becomes less valuable once it becomes a player. So it is a kind of a deadline that gets people moving around. I think the other reason for that is if you talk to scouts and, and people around the league, as you certainly do with Sam's sources, uh, they will tell you, and I, and I agree that this draft, some people think there's three, some people think there's four guys that are legitimately number one picks in, in normal drafts, but even outside of that, uh, throughout the first round, everybody thinks this is a pretty deep draft. So the fact that this draft seems to be kind of stocked with talent, in addition to the fact that it is a strange year because of the calendar, and also a, a draft kind of spurs movement because it's it's an artificial deadline, uh, I, I think you're right. There's going to be some movement around the league.
1: And then this always gets missed, but like last year, COVID, no combine, none of the normal stuff. I feel like teams were a little less trigger happy. So you you might get a little... Just a little even more, like teams kind of accrued assets over the last year. Like we know the Warriors did. We know they didn't trade the number two pick last year. We know they've been holding the picks close to the chest. So I feel like there's a lot of teams uh, who have uh, kind of a ton of capital. And maybe now is the time they want to make their move. Uh, Maybe not. But I, I do think it's going to be a pretty entertaining show tomorrow. And um, to get to your well,
2: point, in, oh, but in comparison to last year, I think you're absolutely right. But The other thing is in comparison to last year, a lot of stuff happens in the draft, even if it's just moving up in the draft because teams fall in love with somebody, but because there was so little scouting able to be done for last year's draft, you know, it was harder to fall in love with the guy because you just didn't see him. There wasn't enough tape or experience. Very few. Not everyone. Stuff. Not
1: everyone got to take James Wiseman out to dinner. You know, that's, that's <laughs> kind of how it went. So yeah, I mean, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty entertaining. Um uh for those of you who are coming to the draft show tonight, you know, we'll have fun. If you're watching on TV, I'm sure it'll be really entertaining. Uh, but let's get into this. So kind of the big rumor today, and we've heard news about this, is Toronto may be looking to make some moves, maybe looking to move out of the four spot. No one really knows what they're gonna do. There is an assumption Jalen Suggs will go four. But you keep hearing Toronto's not in love with Jalen Suggs, uh, and that's not even that's not surprising to me when you look at the history of the type of players Masai Ujiri has drafted. Jalen Suggs doesn't really fit the bill. Um, I kind of think Toronto controls the draft right now. Like we know who's going one, two, three, maybe two and three flop. We don't know the order of the top three, but it's going to be Cade, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley in some order. And I don't think those teams are moving out of the top three. Four is really where the draft gets interesting, and there's rumors now that the from Chad Ford, the Warriors might be interested in trading up to four to get Jalen Suggs. We obviously know about the Siakam for Wiseman in the seventh pick trades. I think everything kind of revolves around Toronto. Yeah, I agree. Um... And and the, kind of the latest stuff you you
2: mentioned it that Toronto doesn't seem to be in love with uh with Suggs and and you know, some of the latest stuff that you're you're seeing now around is that they might be leaning Scotty Barnes. The question is, is that in an attempt to get whoever was actually going to draft Scotty Barnes and thought that they we were going to have him at five or six, whether that's OKC or or um, or Orlando, is that just kind of to leak to try to get them to hop up a spot or two spots respectively? Right. Uh, to get their guy if they, if they want Barnes, Um, so as you miss Messiah
1: and- is a Messiah is a good poker player. He's uh this isn't I his could. first, this isn't I his could. first rodeo. Um, let me, let me ask you, let, let's get an outside perspective here. Okay. Do you buy that he doesn't like that Jalen Suggs is not the player he wants?
2: I, 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 so here's the thing, the strange thing with Toronto and I agree with you that they're, the draft kind of uh, revolves around them because there is that top three. Um, And then it seems like for most teams, there is a fourth and there has been for, for some time, but Toronto is in a strange spot because are they trying to rebuild or are they trying to win now? Um, All of those questions are what happens if they're going to re-sign Lowry and then Fred Van Vliet, if they have both of those guys, Suggs is pretty duplicative of both of them. If they just, if, if Lowry walks or they trade him in a sign in trade, then maybe you see it, but then do you want to give the keys to a young guy? Then what do you do with Siakam? So I think it's Toronto is in a strange place because they are kind of uh, at the fork in the road where they need to make a decision. So I kind of, as an asset play, I still would expect them to uh, take Suggs forth unless they can trade out of that, but it would not shock me if he was not the apple of their eye depending on which direction they want to go
1: what do you think of Jalen Suggs obviously was kind of the the college basketball revelation partially because Gonzaga was just such a good team like they they played like a pro style offense like you, you know most college teams are an ugly watch Gonzaga was not an ugly watch but uh putting that aside what do you think of Jalen Suggs as a pro prospect I like
2: him uh i'm not I'm not in the group that thinks of him as in a random season that he's a number. He's in consideration for a number one pick. I like him a lot. Um, I think he's going to be really good defensively. I think he's going to be steady offensively. Um, I think he's going to be able to do a little bit of any everything. I think he may function best um, as kind of a combo guard, as not necessarily just specifically a point guard. You know somebody who can kind of play with another point guard can run offense for you but will function best as kind of a combo guard um but I think you' kind of probably a two point exactly uh i yeah, i don't know if he has drew's i think he may have a little bit more offensive upside than drew but not quite sure. as much defensive upside as drew who most n b a guys would tell you he's he's the guy they would least like to see in a one on one scenario um but I think he's going to be good. I don't know that he has like this, the star potential or superstar potential that the top couple guys have. Maybe Mobley has, maybe he does it, but um I think he's going to be a solid player and I you know, I yeah, the, the Warriors fans talk about Malcolm Brogdon a lot, you know, he's kind of a fringe all-star being all-star right. a couple times, that kind of guy. I think I think Suggs could
1: have that kind of career. Yeah, he feels like I just can't see him busting. Like I I agree with you. I I think people who think he's a potential superstar, like a lot of things needs to go right for over the next few years. But like, I can't see a world in which he isn't a productive winning player for the next decade. Exactly. So, right. um, yeah. And, and that's, that's the thing I can get, I can also understand why a team like Toronto or uh OKC or Orlando would be enamored with maybe Scotty Barnes or Kuminga more so like very good chance. They will never be as good as Jalen Suggs, but also Decent chance, to, or maybe not decent. There's a chance they could be superstars. It could be much better than him too. Just a, a higher, higher variance pick, higher upside, higher risk of busting. And I, you know what? I, I
2: think it's there's some point in the lottery, um, and there is like a confluence of how good your team is, where you're going, where fit becomes important as opposed to just talent. There's some point where like the talent is overwhelming, and I don't care what the fit is. You just draft for the best talent. But then at some point, as you move later, somewhere in the lottery, it becomes you have to factor in talent more and more. And I, I think it's interesting with Suggs, depending on what team it is and depending on how much farther in the lottery you get, whether you start just drafting for talent or how much the fit factors in. And that will be a question for him, a question for Kaminga, uh, as it relates to the Warriors, et cetera. Um, but I, th- that's going to be fascinating to me to watch at what point the fit starts factoring in has a bigger factor than just talent,
1: would you trade Wiseman in the seven to get up to number four? I would not. No. Yeah, me neither. I would also that, I, would... that one. That one was floated out there, and that just seems that's too much. That's that's a little aggressive for me. No, I would not.
2: I mean, it's 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 a for if if you were going to say for three, then you right I still, right. I, that's a different <laughs> conversation. I still think I wouldn't, but then that becomes how much more. Of how much better of a prospect as a prospect do you like Mobley than than Wiseman? I still wouldn't do it, but I think that's a better conversation. I also, for the sake of I'd do clarity, it for Cade Cunningham. <laughs> I would too. But for the- I would- I would not- I wouldn't- But do there's the a other, reason
1: Detroit wouldn't. So.
2: I would- I wouldn't do the other- the other Toronto trade. I wouldn't Siakam for- for 7-14 Wiggins and Wiseman. That's too much for me too. If you combine the two trades, um, then I think you have something to talk about. But I wouldn't do either as, it, as it's as it been kind of whispered. I think, that's,
1: I think that's the dream scenario if you're looking for the perfect confluence of prospect plus player helps you now, which would be if you could somehow get the number four pick and Pascal Siakam for the whole poo-poo platter, for, for Wiseman, for the seven, for the 14. I just don't see why Toronto would do it, and obviously for Wiggins too. So yeah, I think,
2: I, I think you'd have to throw in at least one more future pick if you're the Warriors right. to
1: get them, to get them thinking about well, it. L- and let's be real. The 14 is just, it's just a random first round pick. It's not a particular, like it's what's more attractive. The number 14 pick or the 2023 first round pick, which doesn't, you don't know what number it is right now.
2: Yeah. 22. I mean, is it, this is, one, is it basically the same thing on paper? No, I think this one's more valuable than 2023, but if you told me 2026, and you can project out and say, you know, Steph's not going to be around anymore and Draymond's not going to be around anymore and Clay's not going to be around anymore sure. maybe. Then then I think that might be more enticing. You're but- you're betting
1: you're betting on father time. Yeah. I hear you on that one. Um I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting cuz I have no read cuz I can see Toronto going either direction. Like they. The Warriors, in my opinion, the Warriors are trying desperately to play it up like they're totally comfortable with this eight-year rebuild project because they don't want people thinking they're desperate so they don't have to overpay for trades. I think that's like 99% of what the Warriors are doing. That's just my two cents on it. Like if they were really interested in a long-term rebuild, they wouldn't be running up the luxury tax bill the way they are. Um, Absolutely
2: right. But also like they have to. Right. What do you expect mm-hmm. him to say? I agree with you. Meanwhile, but yeah, also yeah, that's I was, what they should be saying even if it's a lie, which it probably is.
1: Meanwhile, someone like Toronto, like I could legitimately believe either way. I could believe Masai has zero interest in a rebuild and wants to kind of go through the middle and get back in the playoffs, or I could buy that he, you know, he it's time to pull the plug and he's trying to get you know as much draft capital as possible. Like it's very much in play both ways. And I can't read it. That's why that's why I think everything on tomorrow's draft hinges on Toronto. Um, I agree with you. But also, do we
2: know what Masai's scenario is? Right. Like, I don't he Is no. he sticking? Right. We don't know what he's doing either.
1: That's what I'm saying.
2: That's that's the other complicating factor. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like, do we know? Do we know if he's sticking around is what I mean?
1: Oh, yeah, that, that's true. That's that's the other part of it. He has not signed an extension there, right? So, so that makes it even more complicated. It's hard to say what uh wh- what they're gonna do. I, you know, what? can we answer this, Aaron? I want to ask you this one question because the chat's going off about okay. it. There's some people saying we're overvaluing Wiseman. I, I disagree with that. I I'm not throwing away last year's number two pick, who's 19 or 20 years old, just to move up three spots. Um. I would do it to move up for like Cade Cunningham, but he, let me ask you this: if if Wiseman came out in this year's draft, where is he? Where is he going? Four or five? I yeah, he's, he's in. That, I he's, think he's,
2: he's after Mobley, but uh, depending on what you think about Suggs, I think he is with Suggs. I I would say he's in the tier with Suggs ahead of uh, Scotty Barnes and Kaminga. At least for me, that's where I
1: would put him. Yeah, absolutely. That's that. So that's what I was thinking. I think Cade. Jalen Green and Mobley are probably in a tier of their own and then he's in that next tier of guys where you're like the upside is very tantalizing but it's not quite the sure thing
2: but the interesting part of it is how you feel about Wiseman granted there's there are some similarities there are some differences but how you feel about Wiseman probably informs how you feel about Mobley too just because it kind of speaks to the value of seven footers in this NBA Mobley is Uh, more advanced as a switch defender and maybe has shown a little bit more offensively, but he doesn't have the physical tools that, that Wiseman has. So I, I, there, and there are some people that, that think like Mobley should be the number one pick period. So I think all of that is is a little bit connected, but I, I would put him probably in the tier with, with Suggs after
1: those top three guys. Yeah. And then I mean the second part of the scenario is does Wiseman only play 3 college games? If we watch him play 15, 16 games, what do we think? Cuz he'd physically dominate college. I think he'd I don't know. It's hard to say how that whole thing plays out. But um let's move this forward a little bit and then let's let's open this to questions. So, It appears the Warriors are going to be potentially looking at Jonathan Kuminga. Most of the mocks have him going to the Warriors. They're just mock drafts. No one's really been able to tell what's going to happen in that, like, 6 to 10 range. Like, all the names have been flipped back and forth between teams over the last month.
2: Uh, So when I was talking earlier about, like, the talent versus fit thing, I think that kind of uh, comes to a head if it's Jonathan Kuminga available for the Warriors. He is a pretty terrible fit for this warriors team, and probably doesn't help at all uh next year. However, I think his talent may be too much to pass up um He is like for for forever for for the last however many years this was thought as this has been thought as a five player draft, including him. He has slipped some. Uh, behind Barnes recently, and perhaps even behind Book Knight, depending on who you're talking to recently. Um, but that talent was overwhelming. And at the first the first game or two uh, with with the Ignite, there was thoughts that he could be in the mix for number one. So I think for the Warriors, that talent, if he's there at seven, is just kind of wins the day and you take him even if it's just as a talent play, as an asset play, to think about trading him for the future. But the Warriors have different goals in the near term than most lottery teams. So I would understand if if that would not be their pick. He would be their pick if I was the Warriors at seven. But with the understanding that he is a pretty awful fit, he's a ball stopper. He's going to need a bunch of touches and shots to develop. And that is not something that's going to work in the Warriors ecosystem anytime soon.
1: Who's RAR? Kuminga or Wiseman last year? I think uh, I think it might be Kuminga.
2: I think it's Kuminga because um, Wiseman has more of an excuse because he's dependent on others to get him the ball. Uh, Kuminga just has the ball and does what he dominates the ball and does whatever he wants. Usually not that efficiently. Yeah, so I you would think Kuminga is more raw?
1: You would think you could kind of put wiseman into a box easier just be like set a screen and lob even though he was bad at both of those things year one um more so than a perimeter player who's just naturally gonna get touches and if they're just gonna do their own thing it's a real problem so let's move to one more topic they're gonna open this i want your favorite warrior draft memory oh so i you when you when you texted me this earlier
2: i i came up with a bunch and so i have them categorized into three categories. Uh. One category is these guys are these guys are really smart. One category is uh, I was I was wrong because I thought these drafts were going to save the Warriors. And then uh, one was that's that's I,
1: pretty much my teenage years.
2: <laughs> one was I was I I was right and I begged them not to make this mistake. So where should we go?
1: <laughs> uh, let's let's just go 1 through 3. Yeah, we'll All go right, in the so order you assume.
2: The Warriors think these guys are really smart. I think my two least favorite warrior draft picks ever are Todd Fuller and a Donald because as soon as the picks were made, the warriors were trying to tell us how smart they were at Colgate and, uh, and North Carolina state. I don't know. Uh, we can GPA.
1: Oh, uh, that's by the way, that is part of look, Wiseman is another tier talent wise in them. But when they started running the, he speaks Mandarin. He wore a suit. I just got flashbacks of F.A. Udo, Todd Fuller, Adonnell Foyle. And it's like, don't do this to this kid. This kid is not a big stiff. He he, right. he definitely you're needs to learn, what, how, to, he definitely needs to learn what, how to play basketball. But he's not like – those guys were just huge stiffs. And it just it, – it brought back – it was some PTSD. You're telling me what Todd
2: Fuller, like what he got as a – I don't even remember. But like as an architecture major at North Carolina State. <laughs> Thanks. And then two picks later – is uh kobe bryant
1: uh the late great kobe bryant and then a uh, donald so foil the fo- the pick. following by the way the following pick after kobe steve nash or sorry pager Stoyakovich. then two picks after that steve nash so you know yeah. they they just passed on three basically hall of famers
2: yes and then one pick after donald foil the next pick after donald Foyle. Tracy, tracy mcgrady so that was the warriors trying to tell us that they were smart by telling us that their players were smart uh, the two drafts or the two picks mostly that made me think that the warriors had it figured out and the warriors were going to turn it all around. Uh, 2005. I watched Ike Diago destroy Cal over and over and over <laughs> for Arizona state. And then and, Latte, and then for some reason I thought Chris Taft was going to be good. Uh, and then in 08, Anthony Randolph, I think he had us all fooled. So those were my two drafts that, uh, that I, that I had decided these guys are going to be really good. And then, this one I actually got right. Well, you mentioned him in between Steph and Clay in 2010. Uh, I was begging for Paul George when they took Epe Udo because my brother, who went to Michigan, shout out Michael, who's, who's probably listening to this, uh, he went to Michigan and Epe yeah, played at Michigan before Baylor. So I asked my brother about him, and he was like, he basically gave me des- the description of what current Kavon Looney looks like after about five hip surgeries. And <sighs> Said He basically moves like that. So, no, this guy can't play.
1: I just – the Udo – every time I see Udo's name, I think of Larry Riley, who went on KNBR, went on, like, ABC7, all these places, and used the same, like, stump line. He's like, we need some more beef, and he's going to give us some beef. We need some beef inside. He used the word beef in every interview for six weeks straight that, you know, it was just – these these are the glory days when you can remember the sales pitches of players you knew couldn't play before they ever stepped on the floor.
2: Who is the, who is the dude that uh, that was on ABC Seven that like stole the jacket out of the locker room? He was probably talking to that dude, right?
1: <laughs> That's not around <laughs> anymore. And by the way, I shout- forgot about that. That was only like two years ago.
2: Shout out Epe Udo. I, I he was on the He's on that Nigerian team that that punked the US in in Vegas. So shout out to him. He's still
1: yeah. he's, he's He's made a nice little career for himself. He just wasn't the number six pick. It's actually your your Looney point is correct. It's like if you took Looney number six, you would be just so upset. But you know, Looney last pick of the first round, you're pretty happy with it. Yeah, but we also knew that
2: Udo moved like like Looney now before we knew that Looney moved like Looney.
1: That's that's true. That is true. Looney um Looney did have more hip surgeries than any twenty two year old should ever have. So um, all right, let's go to your
2: last category here. Oh no, I I mixed, so yeah, mixed up I mixed them I mixed them together. But my favorite actual, my actual favorite Warriors draft moment mm-hmm. is uh well, another another Michigan moment uh was trading uh it, it ended up being ill fated, but uh trading Penny Hardaway for Chris Weber. 'Cause I was I liked that team before they got Chris Weber. Um and then once once getting Chris Weber, I, I thought that the team was destined for good things. It was in his first year, and then um he and he and Don Nelson did not see
1: eye to eye and uh, that's and uh,
2: it then we watched a lot of Tom Gugliotta 17 footers after
1: that yeah that's when the when the Weber thing went sideways that's when character became the number one uh the number one thing on every draft board and uh lo and behold character doesn't mean much if the can't it uh, does not uh shout out Todd Fuller <laughs> I was gonna say oh god yeah
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, I'm going to open this to questions now. Give us your favorite Warrior draft moments or just any sort of question related to the draft. Maxwell, le- batting leadoff. Hey guys, first
3: off, fuck this guy Tommy in the chat. He, he's being really mean to me, I don't whoa, like it. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
1: whoa! whoa I'm whoa.
3: joking. I'm joking. I'm just kidding. I have a a question about what to do at 14. If both guys are available, uh, would you prefer Davion Mitchell or Chris Duarte? Since they're both similar, they're both uh four year guys. Uh, who would you prefer? What do you What are you doing at seven in this hypothetical? Um, not taking Mitchell. Okay. But I, I would say that. In- oh, form- I see what you're saying. Okay. Uh, you take uh, bow night or book night, however you say it book night.
1: Okay. Um, if you, well, first off, if you take book night, um, yeah, I guess, I guess you have to take a wing. Um, I, Aaron, why don't you explain your logic? I think I get where you're going with this.
2: Yeah. Well, because if <laughs> I, I, I think that, uh, if you're taking, if you're taking book night, who is six foot three then taking Davion who is six foot even uh at 14 becomes a little bit less palatable
1: you're so you're really have, ra- you're really rounding down book nights six four without shoes six okay. three and three quarters <laughs> of an inch we are gonna round up
2: oh, yeah, you know i've been rounding up my whole life <laughs> <laughs> check, check out my tinder i've been rounding up my whole life uh <laughs> so i but i think i think uh i think you need a little bit more size if you if you take book night uh Seventh, I think you need more size. um So that's that's my reason that's m- my reasoning for for why I would. And by and by the way, you and I have had this conversation. Like I would take Davion Mitchell fourteen, but I don't think he's a particularly good fit with the Warriors at all.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just it's just gonna be a nice little backup point card. I, I it seems like a I'd rather go with the wing because wings you can at least fluidly play in a bunch of lineups. And if you think Duarte is a guy who can play day one. You can't have enough wings to just throw in a different lineup combinations. Uh, yes, keep, we'll keep moving. Darren, what's up, man? Going on, gentlemen. I, you know, just enjoying this Wednesday night. What do you got for us? Kind of curious when we're talking about guys like Kaminga. A uh, couple of questions. One, how confident are y'all on the three coaches, the Jokic coach, the cat from Toronto, and Atkinson, on um, being able to develop a guy like? kaminga and second question is what kind of your thoughts i saw a lot of highlights and was watching some video of trey murphy what do y'all think about him at number 14 those are great questions um so i i'll say this i do like the warriors development hires it it clearly shows that they recognize the weakness and they want to address it with that said I don't know how much that can like speed up Kuminga's process. That just means he's getting better coaching, and in theory, uh, better development coaches will get him to where he needs to go. But I don't know that they can. You know, Kuminga to to me, tell me if I'm wrong here, looks like a three-year project. Looks like year year three to four is when he starts turning into a player who might be a winning player. Um, I I don't know that. I don't I don't know that um there you know if there's a coach out there who can like speed that up to make it a one year process like give him all the money in the world uh no stuff, I don't I don't I don't know that that, that I don't think that's what it is I think and I agree with you
2: that I, I think the best way to judge the Warriors hires um and I think the Warriors hires have been really good I think the best way to judge the the hires is by what the rest of the league thinks of them and what the rest of the league thinks of them you can tell by the fact that they were all sought after and had offers to go other places and have for the last couple of years. So I think the Warriors and Warriors fans should be happy about those hires, but what a good development staff does is not necessarily speed up the process. It just gives a greater chance. If the player is willing and wants to put the work in, gives a greater chance that they will reach whatever their individual potential is. So I think that, uh, I, I think that that again I think Warriors fans should be excited about the new hires, but that, that doesn't mean it. that the three-year Kaminga process is going to take one year. It just means that the three-year Kaminga process is more likely to happen than it would be yeah, with not miracles, whoever not else. Workers. <laughs> Correct. And I, and by the way, I like I, I think it was Andy said a couple pods ago that uh, he he started calling Kaminga the uh, the wing wise man, and I that I think that's a pretty decent comparison. that Different jobs, but I think that's a pretty decent
1: Yeah, all the tools in the world, not really sure how to use any of the tools yet. Um, um, if he can get involved with game planning, and um, 50% of the issue with Wiseman this year was the Warriors just kind of let him play. They wanted to see how... They wanted him to figure it out and see how it looked. Um, he really needed structure. Maybe someone like Atkinson uh, can we can see young players being a little more productive because he might actually uh, bring a different voice? Which is like we can't just we can't just let this guy read and react. This guy needs a very like specific job, otherwise he's going to get lost.
2: Yes, you're right. Um, except they didn't want to let him figure it out when he wanted to shoot threes. They kind of tried to rein that in. Right. And I think it was pretty important for somebody that clearly lacked confidence and got down on himself and was a perfectionist um i think it was incumbent on the warriors to give him a few little things that he could succeed at and then build him up as opposed to trying to flood his brain with a bunch of things and then having him not do so well and then get down on himself i think that was kind of the misstep
1: or one of the missteps agreed um let's do this one real quick uh I know you've you've looked at Trey Murphy and Chris Duarte. Give me your your thought compare those two for me. Like what do you think of them? Which one do you like more? Yeah, I think I like Murphy
2: more. I just like I don't I for whatever reason I don't trust the Duarte jumper um and I don't trust him to run a lot of pick and roll. And so I just I don't I I think and also because of his age, I think he's kind of maybe maxed out Um, I just, I don't see it. And and I could be wrong. I know a lot of people around the league really like him. Um, there are even some rumors that he has promises places, but I just don't, I like Murphy's size. I don't, there's something about Duarte that I just don't love. So, um, yeah, I think, I I think I'm a Murphy guy on this one. And
1: Murphy, I mean,
2: the size, like there's something, yeah, I just, I, I, and maybe this is just like a knock on Duarte. I just don't really
1: see it. Murphy's six nine, and he can shoot, and he can move laterally. Like that alone is something every team's looking for. So, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Murphy went at fourteen or even thirteen or something, just because uh, it, it's like the Cam Johnson thing. Remember when Phoenix moved up really high for Cam Johnson? I was like, why? Then you watch yeah, the. Yeah, because final, he's like, well, because I mean, he's six eight, six nine, he can shoot. Exactly. Like at a certain point, there there's certain skills every team just needs. So, all right, we keep moving. Ryan, and, what's up, man? Nothing much. Got home from work of, like four
2: hours ago. I've just been chilling, but um. Yeah, firstly, I just want to address this thing. Uh, Suggs, by by my estimations, will fall to seven just because of the tendencies these other teams have in the draft above us. Toronto forever has taken high upside wings with their early first-round picks. Orlando loves length, and they're not taking a
3: guard. And Oklahoma just loves athleticism. I don't think Suggs fits that bill. And then also, two hypothetical trades. SGA for Wigan, sorry for Wiseman seven 14 and two future firsts and then the other one is Siakam and four for seven Wiseman 14 Wiggins and two future firsts
1: which one would you do and who says no okay I think we talked about the Siakam one I think (laughs) yeah did you did you get all of that yeah, well, the Siakam one was the one we talked about. Siakam plus four, which would be presumably Suggs for you know like Wiseman in the picks. Um, I, I think we're in agreement that like it depends how many future picks are giving. Like there's a there's a certain number where you're like, all right, that's too much. But who knows? But um, Shea Gildress Alexander, we didn't we didn't mention his name. So there's reports that OKC offered him in the six to move up to one, and Detroit said no. And there's also reports that like OKC doesn't really want to pay him. So it's a natural name for is he attainable by a trade? Is he worth all that stuff? I don't know. What do you what do you think of Shane Alexander?
2: Uh he's a good player and he's a good fit uh for the Warriors. I didn't hear I didn't hear uh Wiggins name mentioned in either of those trades. So we have to do a little finessing to make, make money work. Uh but but Shea Shea's a really good player and i think he's 24 um and uh can play one two i mean he'd be a great fit anywhere he can he can hoop he can uh i think he'd be good fit for, for the warriors kind of an all-around guy will guard uh came it's just came off a season where he was you know uh 50 40 80 and change on some really good splits so yeah i don't I think uh, nobody really knows what what OKC is doing. Everybody is kind of just waiting for them to pounce with all of their 148 draft picks over the next few years. The question is, is Shea going to be the centerpiece of their rebuild? Or is he even at 24? I think he is a little too old and not on their timeline. And do they want to get completely younger? 23. So so I, I, and by the way, if I was Detroit, I would, I mean, Shea is that good that I would consider it. I, him and six for one. I would. I think that is that is should be on the table for them. Um, I don't know if he's actually available, but at some point OKC needs to plant their flagpole and say this is what we're doing, and you know start the path forward. You can't always just churn the assets, churn the assets, churn the assets. So I I, I don't I don't know what's going on, but I everybody should be
1: interested in SGA because he's damn good. Yeah, I'm 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 skeptical he's available. But you know, you never know. All right, let's move forward. Luke, what's up, my man?
4: How you going, buddy? You good?
1: Ah, I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing
4: great. How going? How you man. going, Aaron? i haven't seen you uh, yet, better I than know.
2: I deserve, brother. This is the highlight of my night. Now
1: let's go.
4: Oh yeah. Um, Sammy, can you just? I know you're a busy man. I know you. Try, I know. I know you're plugged in and all. But can you just? Can you just fucking calm me down a bit about like, like. I sat back yesterday. I listened to you and Andy. You're being fantastic hosts and everything, but some of the fucking attitude in this chat and are all around Warriors Twitter about sec- accepting mediocrity is just dead set disgraceful. Like, I get it. Like you, like you just said just before, there's no veterans that, like there's no superstar like deal out there, right? But what did you say all the last twelve months when we were in the shit? Like, developing wise men, blah, blah, blah. What, what is the key word that you've said since day fucking one? It's all about the margins. Now, all of a sudden, I'm seeing all this shit going, oh, Warriors won't fucking trade up because it's just a margins thing. It's not not really going to blow them away. What happened to the fucking margins? Like, you know, like, we've got Steph Curry here. Like, I, I, under, I know people got different opinions. I, I understand that. I'm not going to argue with people that, you know, got different opinions. They're, they're set on that. But... We've got fucking Steph Curry on our team, and he's missed the playoffs the last two fucking years. Like, can you, can you guys even tell me what our best starting five's going to be if we don't make a big start? Like, the guy's usage rate, like I saw Tommy and Tony and, like, fake and all that going, like, his usage rate was out of control. Like, you can't expect the guy to keep carrying us for so long, and, and, we, and we're just talking about two kids. Oh, maybe he hits, maybe he doesn't. What, Like, what, what are we doing here?
1: First off, appreciate the call. Yeah. On the on the macro level, I agree with you. The one thing I will say is, um, while Aaron is right that like the draft is kind of a marker day that a lot of trades happen, I'm not going to judge the Warriors roster going into next year based off of if they make the picks tomorrow or they make the trade tomorrow. There's still free agency. I'm getting the impression that some players trade demands won't come till later in the summer. Maybe, maybe not, but there is time. I think the only thing I feel pretty confident about is um, the Warriors are going to put forth the calm front, but I don't think they're going to have a happy Steph Curry and Draymond Green. If they like bring in two rookies, use the mid level on a average ish player and, and like bring back Baysmore or something on a vet minimum and just like bank on that. So I I just think it's worth a little patience in terms of how the roster ends, because like, great, they swing a big trade tonight, doesn't matter, they're not playing a game until mid-October anyway, if it happens tonight, if it happens end of August.
2: So yeah, this is, I mean, this is an artificial deadline, the draft is, but it is, it's kind of just the start of, of the season, and A lot of people have been been saying this, and I I happen to agree with it, that basically the draft is also kind of the beginning of free agency for the Warriors because the Warriors don't have a lot of mechanisms to add talent to their roster. They don't have cap space. Uh, They just have the one taxpayer mid-level exception to actually add somebody more than the minimum. So I think tomorrow is kind of the beginning of it. it. Does that include a trade? Maybe. Does that include taking two guys hopefully that at least one of them maybe two of them can be rotation players next year hopefully but it's a fair question from luke like who is going to be when, when the games matter it's going to be steph clay draymond and who next year wiggins maybe if he's around like I, it is a fair question who is going to be in that closing lineup That is, that is definitely a fair question
1: I think last year they were so blindsided by the clay injury that they felt sorry for themselves. I don't know that they were as aggressive with the COVID season. Um, Everything about last year is weird. Uh, I don't agree with that, to be honest with you. I thought they could have used last year to churn over and maybe find a player or two more than Jordan Poole and Juan Toscano Anderson at the end of the season. They don't well, have the that. They don't have that excuse this season, and I think Steph and Draymond particularly gave them a bit of a pass last year because I don't know, man. Clay tore his Achilles on draft night with camp opening three days later. Like, yeah. at some point, you like, wh- who are you going to blame? Like, you know, like you're going to hold Joe Lacob accountable for bad, you know, bad luck in that scenario, right? So, well, I the think, one, the one I just don't like- think they're going to get the same. Um, the same like leash from uh the veteran players that they got.
2: I agree, and they shouldn't. Um, but the one place I would hold of accountable, and he and he was. Um, last year was the time because the Warriors are a team with such a deep pocket, yes, they were they were, you know, had had the new building and, and were not getting people in it, and that was a financial burden to them. But the the, the Warriors are a team with deep pockets, and so Because of the uncertainty of last season and even into this this season, was the time to be able to leverage that money, and there was going to be teams that were going to have to sell off because of their financial situation. That the Warriors, because of their deep pockets, maybe would have been able to take advantage of. They tried with Ubre, so I'll give them credit for that. But as Luke was mentioning around the margin, it did not seem to work very well.
1: I mean, it's I'm trying not to overreact to anything right now because. Like you said, draft is beginning of the part of the year where you can remake the roster. They have month plus to get this done. Um, granted, most of the stuff that matters will happen in the next three weeks, two weeks. Uh, they given given pass, what then. they've d- no, they don't get a pass. But I'm just saying, we got to wait to see how the roster ends before we um, before we burn everything. Now, just to be clear, I get the cynicism and the skepticism because the last two years. Not a lot of positive signs. There's a lot of feeling sorry for yourself after KD left, and then feeling sorry for yourself with Clay's injuries. Um, What you know, not a lot of development. Just not a lot of, not the best use of the last two seasons. I guess is the best way to put it. Um, To clean up
2: what, to clean up what I was gonna say. I give them full credit for spending for Ubre and going for it.
1: But to
2: to get like for that to be fully an A then they have to keep that asset and not fumble it as it appears that they have by not trading him for anything at the deadline or being able to resign him or sign and trade. Maybe they may still be able to, to maintain that salary spot in that asset, but uh, to get full credit, they needed to not fumble what it appears to have fumbled the Ubre bag.
1: Yeah. I mean, th- like you said, limited mechanisms to add talent. You know, if you're not gonna use the the TPE or whatever you get with Uber, find talent another way. And I don't know, I really just don't know how you can. Uh, but um one way or another they gotta figure it out. All right, let's keep moving. Mike Mikas, What is up, my man? Hey boys, how we doing? Uh, good. Okay. So, you know, I don't wanna get uh, grim here, but <laughs> provided we don't make, tra- well, I'm already feeling grim. But provided we don't make a trade tomorrow, do we feel like it's a pretty much a certainty, a foregone conclusion that Steph does not sign the extension this summer? Do we think that he's ready to like, you know, be Kendall Roy, lean into it, be like a killer, and be like, I'm not doing this? <laughs> or is he is he still going to sign it? Do we think if we had to guess? And then as a Cowboys fan, I'm wondering, are the Warriors on the brink of being the next Dallas Cowboys? Hate to ask that question, but I'm wondering is Joe Lacob. Just a younger Jerry Jones, possibly. Curious what your guys' thoughts are on those two questions. I threw that one out there facetiously a while ago. That's and not bad. I, I hope I didn't speak it into existence. Uh especially What's, when you consider that Cowboys like greatest glory run was at the beginning of the Jerry Jones ownership before he got his hands all over everything. Ooh. What's Jerry's kid's name? Is it Stephen? I believe so. Yeah. He has he has Steven, multiple sons.
2: Yeah, but, but the one that yeah. like works in the are there Kirk Lake of vibes there? I don't know. Is that, that a comparison?
1: It, I mean, I think the yeah the, the the whole comparison is you know Jerry's the star of the show. It doesn't matter who the you know doesn't matter who the Bob Myers figure is. He's making the decisions, him and his son. So that is that is the basis of the analogy. I mean, I I think that has legs. I got to be honest with you that I think
2: that has legs so far. Although he doesn't have Jerry, doesn't have three titles. I don't. Jerry doesn't. Does Jerry? No, he does. He does. does He does. uh, He has three. three.
1: He got three three. at the beginning of his ownership with Jimmy Jones and then uh, Barry Switzer. If anything, it's like thinking you're indestructible because you just buy the team and start winning titles. Yeah. Uh, uh, Maybe. Maybe this is. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna. gonna, This is another topic. I'm I'm in too good a mood right now. We're not doing this right now.
3: Jake, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, I just had two quick little things. The first one was when I heard the news about they were saying Draymond's assembling a team at the Olympics, I kept wondering what big star there was to trade, but it kind of took my mind to, do you think that means that he's just going after Batum hard, assuming they're close in proximity there and they pass by? (laughs) Him or or Patty Mills. And then the second thing is uh, at 14, I think my preference would be to take Jalen Johnson. So I think if they can just get him to the beginning of the season and there's no issues and nothing's really coming out and he plays a few games and shows flashes. I think there's a lot of trade value there and a potential trade package mid-season. So uh, what do you guys think about those?
1: Jalen Johnson we've 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 touched on. Um, I just don't think the Warriors will do it. I haven't entertained it because nothing that this group has shown me has indicated that they're going to take the guy with character red flags, whether they're fair or not.
2: I Yeah, I agree with that, especially because this is a draft that has, a lot of huge high upside guys. Um, I,
1: do, I do agree though that like Jalen Johnson on raw talent should be in that like four to six range. Like he, he should be, his name should be mentioned with Scotty Barnes and Jalen Suggs and those guys. I agree.
2: I agree. But it's a draft that has whether it's Keon Johnson or Zaire, like it's a draft that has guys that have
1: huge talent.
2: Um, that for whatever reason didn't show it in college or need to harness it or have some issues. So because I think it's not just one or two huge, and Kaminga for that matter too, it's not just like one or two huge high upside guys.
1: Kaminga's flag is gigantic black hole when he gets the ball. Yes.
2: Indeed. (laughs) Indeed. So I think, I suspect that the Warriors will probably stay away, but going back to a question earlier, I think what the Warriors do at 14 is also kind of tied to what they do at seven.
1: Yeah. um, And then on the Draymond recruiting trail, I mean, Draymond's a social guy. So he's always recruiting. I mentioned it last night, but the one thing I always credit Draymond for is he knows who he is as a player. He knows he's not some like 25 point per game scorer. He knows his game only flourishes when he plays around guys who can score and shoot. And he can be the guy that, you know, basically the ultimate glue guy, right? So... Um,
2: I enjoyed your take. Was that, was that, did I hear that today or yesterday? I do yeah, really yeah, the, the show, I, but I thought that was a great take from you that Draymond knows he's the best when he has more uh, high level scorers around him. It makes him look the best. So I, I think that was, a, that's a, that's a quality basketball take from you.
1: I'm wondering who is still at the Olympics. Bradley Beal's not there. No. Um, I guess Zach Levine, Zach Levine hasn't signed an extension. But I haven't heard anyone talking about trading for him. It it, it seems foregone. He's, I mean, uh, he's going to take the money from Chicago. No, I I don't know. I I
2: would not be so sure of that. Um, and even if he does, that doesn't mean that he can't do sure. it and then force his way out immediately thereafter. Uh, there's also a point guard from Portland who's right good. or not. I, well, how about not from Portland? Plays in Portland. That's pretty good. sure uh that there are some rumors swirling around so and and, and obviously uh, he's and recruiting
1: Keldon Johnson
2: there you go and That's as Mika's guy. mentioned as Mika's mentioned you know maybe some of the international guys who are not going to be you know first tier uh free agents but maybe down down the list a little bit in, in the Warriors budget that so might be available
1: last year's team would have killed for a Patty Mills and a Nick Batum yeah. so maybe he's, yeah, those, maybe
2: he's trying to get KD back
1: yeah, that's true. Re- 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 <laughs> it's true. Rehashing—it's like the late night text to the ex. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what's it the up? is The
2: late night text—the late night—the late night text from uh, from from the Oracle parking lot. Isn't that the story?
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: they're they're in Tokyo. <laughs> You're saying Drake, Drake's, <laughs> <corner>. Drake's <laughs> knocking on knocking on KD's hotel room at like three o'clock in the morning. You up?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Let's just let's go out for a bite. <laughs> All right, let's keep moving. Hey, Shik, what's going on, man?
0: Yeah, so I was gonna say my favorite draft uh, memory was definitely uh, trading Jason Richardson for Brandon Wright. <laughs> oh God, oh, God.
1: Yeah, that, was that, my, was, that was actually my first draft memory. We have, uh, I mean, I think we could do. F- we could do at least two hours on like warrior draft fails just in our yeah. lifetime. Can we have a can we have
2: For those uh those Charlotte Bobcats, grey and light blue and navy and orange striped uniforms. Those things were I think I think I thought you used to think him and Anthony Randall for the, the future of our front court, but yeah, definitely didn't pan out. <laughs> um Yeah, so my question is um with Kaminga, do you think he like immediately becomes a like a it's like kind of
3: detrimental to take him because he immediately becomes like mentioned in trade rumors like from the time he gets drafted
1: it's a good question i mean i mean so so everyone i i recall last year the whole thing was like all the prospects want to be drafted by the warriors because you get to play with steph curry you go to a strong organization and um we saw with Wiseman if anything it can sometimes be the opposite for some guys where it's like the pressure of that situation is a little too much for like a teenager right do you think something like that would happen with Kaminga i think the the problem for Kaminga is
2: the what he needs oh, to on. figure himself out and <laughs> yes yeah. what he needs to what he needs to he needs to i think he he goes he develops best somewhere where he has the chance to fail and where he has a chance to get shots and get touches and work through what works and doesn't work for him at the NBA level. And that's just not something that's going to be available for him with the Warriors. He's a terrible fit with the Warriors, and I don't think he contributes at all. But again, like I I think at seven, you might just have to bite the bullet and take him because the talent is so overwhelming, whether that's to keep him and develop him or trade him, with the understanding that he's not going to work for this year's team
1: and he's not going to help. Can you even send him to the G League? Like, is there a precedent? Because we haven't, like, really reached a place where teams feel comfortable sending top 10 picks to the G League the way, you know, baseball with the minor leagues were. Right.
2: Oh, no, there's definitely, I mean, yes, there's definitely. I mean, like, Hashim Thabit was the second pick he played in the G League. Yeah, there definitely is. It doesn't happen much, but there is definitely a precedent for, for high lottery picks going to the G League.
1: Uh oh, the Mercurial Option Zero. What's up, man? I think that J Rich trade would have been fine if we didn't take Brandon Wright. We could have just taken Joakim Noah, and he would have been like a really good setup for ten years.
4: Then no, no, no one would be complaining. Then
1: shit. We had we had Beedrins. better than Joakim Noah. What are you talking about? Take the about? talent. Take the talent. Figure it could out. I, oh, could, could have play the, play could I the twin towers? Could I have the twin towers? You're gonna play uh,
2: uh, yeah. You're play Beedron with that. Ivan Drago hair and, and Joakim Noah with that rotation of the earth jumper together. I love
1: I'm just saying that the trade is one thing. The draft, the execution of the pick is another. Anyways, could you guys see a situation where Lacob gets his uh, sports entertainment media technology uh, big, brain, <laughs> big brain going on? And imagine this. Suggs falls to seven. And they take Kuminga anyways. Now I think we've reached the point of the no. the mock draft machinations where we need the draft to happen. I don't even know how that would happen. How does how is Suggs getting to seven with with Kuminga also off? I mean, the board? we get the first, I you get know. the
2: first three, and then Book Night. <laughs>
1: some of the chat, some of the chat goes, Sengun goes in the top five. <laughs> I okay.
2: mean, it's, I mean, it's gotta <laughs> be it. has got. I mean, it's Book and Barnes four and five in some way and then i don't know
1: who's six if it's not if it's not coming or josh it's
2: giddy i guess
1: oh it's wow
2: someone fell in um, love with his 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 iq and whiteness
1: yeah maybe? I, don't, I don't know i can't I, if if Suggs falls to seven i you can i'll give you a sam guarantee the warrior's taken doesn't matter to us on the board i feel very confident about that
2: if, if, how about this? If Kaminga and Suggs are both on the board at seven, I think the Warriors should do whatever it takes within reason to trade fourteen to Orlando for eight and throw in whatever you need
1: to, so you can take both of them. How about that? Oh wow, we're getting we're getting we're getting deep into. We really need this draft to happen. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a couple more calls. Uh, Ricky, what's up, man? All right. So I wanted to ask you about this, uh, the recent, uh, Pelicans Grizzlies trade that just went down. So, um, reports say that the Grizzlies are still trying to move up again. And I think one of the articles I read mentioned Kuminga and Book Knight as targets, which is kind of within the Warriors range. So is there a scenario you could see the Warriors potentially trading back with the Grizzlies and maybe, I don't know, maybe get their first round pick back that they traded a couple, uh, last year? It's not a bad idea. I, 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 it wouldn't surprise me if the Warriors trade was something like we'll swap seven and ten and maybe give us like Kylie Anderson or DeAndre Melt. Like you pick up a rotation player that way. Yes. Um, very like boring. Like it's not flashy, but like also we watched a team with an eight man rotation for the final 25 games. And I'm not sure all eight of them should have been playing anyway. <laughs> so it's like they need players, period. And if you like, like if if you are convinced Josh Giddy is the best prospect, but you know you can get him at 10, why not get the extra asset? Right. Something like that. And I, I'm just making up a name here. But like it, it makes all the sense of the world to do something like that. Uh, if you think the guy you can get at 10 is better than or you can get the guy you want.
2: Yeah, I just, uh, yes, I agree with that. I just, the way that, that I disagree with the premise or the question is that, and I agree with you, is that if the Warriors were going to do that, it would be for Bane or Melton or, I don't think you're getting slow-mo, but uh, you're getting a, a rotation guy as opposed to getting a draft pick for it because the Warriors don't need more draft picks. The Warriors right. need guys that can play in a rotation.
1: Unless, unless you're going to immediately flip that draft pick for said player. So Fair, yeah, yeah, yeah. either way. They need players who can play next year's rotation. And ideally, if they're acquiring them through trades, you're hoping they're under the age of 30. It can give you a few years. So all right. I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna end it here with McWalters. McWalters is like our perfect optimistic end to end the show. That's right. That's right.
3: We're we're gonna bless everyone here. Everyone stay safe at the event tomorrow. It's gonna be great. Looking forward to it. This thing seems more complicated than the neural surgery I'm going to sit in on on Friday morning trying to decipher what the <laughs> heck we're going to do here at the draft. Um, legit, I'm sitting in on one end. It's like, this is nuts. And like, hey, what what can you do, right? Hey, But it's going to be good. We're going to get two assets out of this. They're going to make two great picks. My favorite Warrior draft that I can remember was the Jay Rich, Troy Murphy, and Agent Zero, because we got option zero in the chat here, the original Zero. Here, and that was phenomenal it was great of course because the muscle sucks so we needed an envision of all that talent but you know when you get two picks in the lottery you can't really go wrong we'll round out the bench everything's going to be good and we're going to get some vets in the free agency it's going to be awesome and if we don't do that we'll, we'll just all get on green room and yell and scream and we'll feel better because we got all that out so it's going to be good either way and Aaron thanks for being <laughs> for awesome that's, that's all, all, I'm all like pre- that.
1: thank you McWalters everyone enjoy the draft